Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. We didn't avoid it, we went right to it. Remember what happened. Remember one of those occasions. And remember the beginning of it, the middle of it, the end of it. And here you are. And as you remember it, could that ever happen to you? Could that happen tomorrow? So just remember back to it and say these words. Got the t-shirt. It is done. Yeah, and it's done. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. One of the unique facets of high-conflict divorce is trauma which many couples experience first as children in dysfunctional families and then again throughout their adult relationships. These marriages often ricochet between hostile behavior and tense reactivity, causing further disorder to the entire family. The Divorce Trauma Recovery Series explores the impact of mental illness, addiction, and trauma on individuals and examines some of the many modalities available to support deep healing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. This is a follow-up episode from my interview with John Connolly, who's with me today. Welcome, John. Thank you. John and I spoke about his rapid resolution therapy in the last episode. If you didn't listen to that, I would say actually pause this and go listen to that first. And toward the end of that interview, I mentioned my own trauma and asked if he felt his work could have a positive impact. And John offered to actually do a session with me publicly on the podcast. And so here we are. I'm a little bit nervous and I am going to hand it over to John and he's going to take the reins from here. So go for it, John. Karen, I'm remembering when I ran into 
somebody I had met and knew when I was in school, graduate program, learning psychotherapy. And he and I ran into each other and he said, I said, how are you doing? And he said, so good. I have really done something I'm proud of. And I said, wow, what is that? And he said, well, I hired a general contractor and we went over my office and layout and I got it done. It costs some money, but I'm really proud of what I accomplished. And I said, what is it? And he said, you know, people come to see us and then they might be for a moment in a waiting room or what have you and then come into the office for the therapy session. I said, well, of course. He said, do you realize they can run into each other like leaving and coming? And I said, well, yeah, I suppose. And he said, well, you know, that's terrible. And I said, oh, I, I guess. And he said, yeah. And, and I wasn't going to just put up with it. I thought I should be proactive. I said, so what do you do? He said, we put together this entire thing where there's a different entrance to the exit. We built a, an entirely different exit that nobody will pass anybody coming as they're going. And I said, yeah, why didn't I think of that? And he said, don't you think? Because now nobody will know that they know anybody else who sees me. And I said, oh, and he said, it, 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 it's really so important. And I'm glad I figured out how to do it. And, and I thought, my goodness, we, we are the official keepers of shame here. I mean, we've been knighted as official shame guarders. Not only are people uh, ashamed of everything they would tell us, they're even ashamed that they would know us at all. Uh, I, and, and, and God forbid they run into somebody else who's coming while they're leaving. I mean, all hell would break loose. And then I went to a course I was required to attend, a course they told me it was an ethics course. And, and ethics courses are all interesting. And, and this one handed, handled all kinds of dilemmas that we in the mental health profession could, could um, uh, run into, you know, difficult, challenging situations. One of them was... Um, um, the, the, the lovely lady teaching said, let's say you've taken your wife to a nice restaurant and you're about to order and this gal comes over, lovely young woman, smiles and says, oh, Dr. Johnson, it's so good to see you. Have you been here before? Oh, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, good to see you guys. Take your time, look over the menu. And she smiles and walks away. And your wife looks at you and says, who's that, hon? Um, so that was what we discussed for 40 minutes. What is he supposed to say? Because 
as an official shame keeper, he can't even say how he knows her to his lovely wife, nor is he supposed to lie to his wife uh, and create some other trap for further future hellish experiences. And so people were all chiming in. And, and they were saying, well, you know, maybe this and maybe you could do that. And then we went to a whole other subject was really interesting. Like, what if you live in a very small rural town and you have a breakdown in your car? And then as you want to call to get your car repaired, because there's only one tow truck service to come out and repair it, you realize that the tow truck owner is the brother of a gal that you used to treat. What are you going to do about your broken down car? You know, and keep the appropriate boundaries so that you don't end up relating to. And I was listening to all this. And when I go in there, Karen, I, 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 I sit on my hands because I do not, please, I do not, I do not want to interact with these people. I'm only going to get into hassles. I just zip my freaking lip and sit there and I'm doing my best and my hands hurt from my big ass trying to keep my hands contained there. And what we got to, what do you do when your car breaks down? And how about what you say to your wife when she wants to know who the pretty waitress is? I'm trying. My arms are shaking. I'm trying so hard to keep them down there. My damn hand went up in the air. And she said, oh, yes. Do you have a comment for us? And I, I just said, ma'am, I just... I'm thinking of other health professionals. I'm thinking of dentists, cardiologists. I'm thinking of physical therapists. I'm thinking of massage therapists. I'm thinking of the whole freaking thing. And I am just hoping and praying that they're not dealing with anything as stupid as this. <laughs> I was so excited having an opportunity not only to do something that I would like to have be way beneficial to you, Karen, but to others. And I thought, I am now officially a shame buster instead of a shame keeper, because we're talking about stuff and it's not all cloaked. And we didn't even have to save our money so we could buy a special walkway where you and I could walk and nobody would see us together. And in fact, there's a whole bunch of people seeing us together. And that's way exciting. I covered a bunch of stuff last time I spoke with you. I'd like to cover a, a, a little bit more. I don't remember whether I talked about red sand, but whether I did or didn't, I'm going to again. So if there is a glass, a drinking glass, a big water glass, let's say, but at the bottom of that drinking glass, there's We've poured in red sand and it goes for two inches. Okay. And then we pour in three in three inches of lime green sand on top of the red. You see? So I mean, what color is at the bottom? Well, I don't know if it'll still be red, but it's it's starting out. Well, you think about it. You've seen sand. 
And if you put red sand in a glass and cover it with green sand, what color is at the bottom? Red. You well then let's add some blue. Yeah, we'll so it's gonna start, blue. it's gonna start melting through and it's probably all gonna look a little brown. No, it's not. You gotta go to and get by yourself some colored sand. Yeah. Because <laughs> that red sand is gonna stay red no matter what you put on top of it. Okay. It's sand, it's red. You add blue sand on top of the red sand and you got a nice multicolored glass of different colored sands. It's not that you're putting blue water on top of red water. Gotcha. Okay. The, the metaphor illustrates how we learn, Karen. Okay. Um, and when people learn things and then learn other things, it doesn't automatically cause the things that were learned first to disappear. So I want to point out some things to all of your amazing listeners about what they absolutely learned. The red sand, the stuff that was learned, and that because it was learned is still most likely there. Okay, I'm following. So one thing that we know, what, one thing that that's little baby is hardwired as the most important mission is to not die. So hardwired to survive. Little baby, think of a little baby bird. Mommy bird can kill baby bird in two ways. One is just Peck, peck, dead. Two is fly away, dead. Same thing with the little baby belly. I mean, it can just go dead. Yuck. Um, or she just has to take them on a picnic and leave them in the woods. Dead. Um, so one of the things we learned is that, well, let me add a little bit to it. So mommy, mommy takes care of little Billy. She picks him up and she says, oh, little Billy, you are a beautiful little baby. Mommy, mommy loves you so much. You're such a good, good, good boy. And then she feeds him. Mm -hmm. And he goes, whoa, on some level he's getting, um, there is this thing called lovability and appeal. And apparently I have it in abundance and it seems to really please the food bringer. Okay. And so he's getting from that. That's a good thing because if it didn't please the food bringer and he didn't have it, he'd be what? Dead. Yeah. Dead. And he's programmed at a cellular level to avoid being dead. So as children, we learned you got to be appealing and lovable in order to not be dead. Now, here's the second thing. We hear people talk about boundaries. Do you have appropriate boundaries? Do you have boundaries in your relationship? You need better boundaries. Everybody's heard better, better boundaries. 
Well, how are your boundaries starting out? I'm remembering my startup, or at least the part of it I remember being in the womb, you know, I was really liking that. Let me tell you, that was dark. It was wet. Everything I wanted, I could have like immediately. I was like so good with it. And then one day, all of a sudden, just when I was going, I'm never leaving this. I fell out. I fell out. But thank goodness there was still a cord. Uh-oh, they cut the cord. I started breathing. I'm an independent dude here. Yay. And just as I started to feel independent, somebody's nipple went right in my mouth. And I started to, to reflexively suck. And I'm being maintained. I'm living based on sucking her breast and squeezing out bodily fluids. Now, tell me how the hell you have good boundaries doing that. <laughs> I had no boundaries in the womb, and I didn't have any boundaries when I got out of the womb. And then even um, later, th there's not much in the way of boundaries for a long time. A lot of red sand, meaning if I'm not lovable, I'll be dead. One and two. There is no difference between how I'm treated and who I am. Mm. There is no difference between the way you treat me and my very essence. No boundaries in the womb, no boundaries while being breastfed, no boundaries even after that, no boundaries. So that's a second thing. A third thing that I learned when I was little is that who I was and what I'm about didn't have anything to do with science like everything else did. Everything else had to do with science. Why did they each change color? Well, because it's, it's, it's scientific. But when it came to me, why did I do this and why didn't I do that? Well, the reason you did this is because you are a good boy. But the reason you didn't do that is because you were a bad boy. So I learned that my own behavior could only be understood by concepts that reflect credit, blame, pride, shame. Good boy. Yeah. You're courageous. You're a coward. You are generous. You are stingy. Um, on and on and on and on. Zero science. I tried to inject science. Mom came in one day. She said, why did you do that? And I said, oh, well, mom, I think that would be explained by some combination of environmental and genetic factors. Um, probably over a lifetime, there are probably a billion things that caused me to just piss on your leg instead of the toilet. <laughs> but that's not how she explained it. She said, I was a bad boy. So I learned that. So here's another thing I learned when I was little, that, um, that I better watch out, and I better not pout, and I better not cry. And here's why. Because he knows 
I mean, he knows when I'm sleeping. He knows when I'm awake. He knows when I'm good. He knows when I'm bad. He's constantly freaking watching me. So another thing I learned when I was growing up is I had zero privacy. I'm constantly being observed by this um, weird red-suited pervert, by this crazy little fetish fairy that wants to pay me for bloody teeth, by this amazing rabbit that likes to have statues of itself left in every house on the earth. And they're all watching me and judging me along with mommy and daddy and teacher and God. Um, and, and, and there's a, a significant price to pay if I'm not judged as a good boy. And the price was hell. And, and hell just meant the most pain I could possibly imagine times all the grains of sand on every beach and desert times all the stars in the known universe and beyond. And that's how much pain I will experience every second for eternity. If I'm not winning the favor of these people judging me, I went to school and um, I found out the whole point of the thing was being judged. I got a B minus and my mummy wants me to have a B plus. And, and they were rewards, but not nearly as good as the bad was bad because the bad was disgrace and ultimately banishment, which feels like being dead. So all of that red sand was there within me, within you, within your listeners, and it doesn't just go away by itself. And that's why your friend calls you hysterical and you go over and say, what happened? And she says, my boyfriend, he, he abandoned me. He betrayed my trust. And she's sobbing, rolling around the ground. And, you know, you, you care about her. So you say, like, are you six? What are you talking about? He abandoned you. You know, you abandon infants. It's a death sentence. That's what abandonment is. They put you in prison if you do that. He broke up with you. He didn't abandon you. You can walk and talk and feed yourself and get in your car and you got a credit card. You're not abandoned. <laughs> your feelings have been hurt. But it touched the red sand, you see, because particularly when people get into any kind of relationship that's at all romantic or sexual, they start feeling like babies again. So there's all that stuff stuck in the red sand. And, and the, the fact that we would imagine to survive with it is what's incredible. Then an event takes place that's disturbing. When the event takes place, it's disturbing. It, it freezes the mind right there. It freezes the mind because at the point that he's being mugged and has a knife to his throat, he's not thinking about what he's going to have for dinner later. There's a felt sense of moving forward. 
even now you're with me. I'm totally focused on you. You're focused on me. But I know on some level there'll be a later where I'll be maybe having dinner. I know that. But if this guy has a knife to his throat because he's being mugged, is he thinking about what he'll have for dinner when he gets home? No, the movie stops. It turns from a movie into like a photograph. The photograph enlarges and gets stuck. And you know what it gets stuck in? Red sand. And now the red sand is all gooky and starts to distort the photograph so not only did she get raped, which is true, and that happened, and that's pretty bad. But it's worse because when she talks to you about it, she says it was my fault. What? Yeah, mommy told me not to dress like that. It was my fault, and now I am polluted. I'm not clean. No wholesome man would ever want to touch me. I mean, have you showered since? What are you talking about? You're not polluted. It's not your fault. By definition, if you got raped, it's not your fault. I don't care if you turned up at the most dangerous bar on the planet at closing time, drunk and naked. It's not your fault. But we also learned when we were little that if we would be good, things would be, go well. And so when things don't go well, we must not be good. Um, so in that soup, the experiences that are super disturbing, like getting mugged, raped, home invasion, or, or even when the teacher looked at me and said, you know, John, when I met you, I actually thought you were intelligent. Isn't that funny? I mean... That's not a home invasion, but it it stuck for a while. It stung a bit, you know, uh, and it got stuck right there in that red soupy gunk. And that makes its way up through what got stuck. And so the event is then drenched in meaning and the meaning makes it worse. I mean, there's so many people asking for meaningful lives. My goodness, protect me from a meaningful life. I would like a life that's meaningless so I can see what the heck is actually happening and not be seeing all kinds of meanings, which generally make things worse, especially if you're already having a bad day. The reason people take for granted that if something disturbing happened, that it would continue to be disturbing later. But why should it be? Our minds cause emotions in order to get us to do things. So why would mind cause an emotion about something that isn't even happening? Because it doesn't know it's not happening because it got stuck and it's stuck and then it's drenched in these ugly meanings. And mind is thinking that there's something that needs to be done in order to get something that already happened to not happen. Good luck with that. So mind is attempting to get you to do something that you don't need to do and that nobody could do about something that actually doesn't even exist and in fact doesn't mean anything. And it's the mind trying to get you to do the thing 
not trying to make you feel better. It's just trying to get you to do something, but you don't do it because you can't do it. And it keeps trying to get you to do it. And that's what causes emotional turmoil and pain. So that's the foundation I have that we'll work with. And when most people in the mental health industry and even the coaching industry, metaphysical industries, grief industry, substance abuse industry, all these people are thinking that the reason things continue to bother people is they didn't bother them enough. I mean, think about that. Gosh, the reason you're continuing to be troubled about being raped is because you haven't had enough sorrow about it. So we need to put you in a grief group so you can get it out. So people go to therapy and then they drop out of therapy because it seems like the therapist wants them to feel bad, which she does, not because she's mean, but because she thinks that the way to feel better is to feel bad so you can get it out. But that's bizarre. If you've ever had a relationship with a rageaholic, um, it would be unwise to think, well, he just screamed at me, cursed at me, chased me around the barn with an axe. So I know I'm going to have a good life with him from now on because he got it out. No such luck. People that are raging don't get it out. They just fuel more of it. And so the solution isn't to get it out. The solution is to simply get the good news. And what's the good news? Whatever the hell happened to you doesn't exist. What do you got to do about things that don't exist? Nothing. And then mind goes, oh, well, then never mind. Clear. Let's get it going. So make a little sense so far, Karen. If any of it made sense, I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm hearing you uh, talk about a foundation of thought and feeling that is poured at a very young age and that it's that foundation that causes us challenges when we've had difficult events, traumatic yeah, it events. it seeps into it. Yeah. And I'm hearing that my trauma happened from 14 to 16 years old. I'm 62. Uh, so it was a minute very ago, much wasn't it? There. Yeah, what and things have certainly you? changed. And I did talk a lot about it and go into therapy and all this kind of stuff. So I'm really curious. Let's, let's take care of it, Karen. Let's start this way. For maybe five seconds, four seconds, three seconds, no longer than five seconds, go ahead and feel whatever bad feeling that thing can generate. Just nod your head if you feel it. That's enough. Open your eyes. Too many seconds. Here we are. What happened? What happened is you're cooperative. I ask you to do something. You do it right away. You use your mind to cause the inner mind to look to process some information acquired back then. And the processing of the information was dysfunctional. And mind read it as something that needs something done about it. That's why it caused the emotion. Okay. On top of it, it probably had some guck, you know, meaning mixed in with it too. So that's what was going on. They're causing that emotion. Um, here we are. And here's what we are doing. What we are doing is meeting together 
in a, with a meeting designed to improve the quality of your life, which makes things better for you, which right away makes things better for the whole world because the whole world is better off when you're better off. And we're doing it where others can learn and get better themselves. This to me is incredible. This is a super high moment. This is a beautiful thing. I'm having a, a, a connection with a beautiful woman. We are together with the same intention. We're like in the same canoe. We're going to the same place. To me, it doesn't get better than right now. This is this is like a beautiful thing. That's what is going on. We're making the world better by the second. And nothing is more of a privilege than making the world better, making other people better. You're making not only yourself better, which makes everybody else better, but because you have a platform, you're doing things that are making them better. And they're going to make people better. And and all kinds of people are going to benefit that you're never even going to know about. And how cool is that? And that's what we're doing right now. So I'm excited by that. You're excited by that with me. We are getting that done, no question about it. This is where we are. Everything that happened in my life was on the way to now. So when I was going through really crappy ass stuff, I was on my way to here, to this really glorious event. I didn't know it because one of the problems is when something is troubling, time freaking freezes and things become perpetual and that felt sense of moving forward disappears. So we, you just experience the feeling from this thing and that feeling has come up and affected all kinds of things for a long time. Yes? Yes. Okay. And so I get that. Let's create a way to visually represent the um, thing that's been problematic, not the feeling it's caused, but just the data processing that's been through your unconscious mind that's caused that feeling. We're just going to create a visual, like abstract design. It doesn't look like anything. Representing the data about the thing processing within that caused the bad feeling. If we could create a design, would it be black, white, gray, or would it have color? I think it would be red. And good, we're done with that. And I'm seeing you now the way I'm intending you to be. I'm seeing you where you can't even feel that stuff if you tried. Where your mind is clear, rebooted, refreshed, and done with it so that all of your energy and the energy that was trapped there goes into healing the body. You live longer, you live better, your body's more comfortable, your mind is even still more clear and creative. That's where we're going. Is that okay? That's lovely. Then we have the same intention, purpose, and vision. And with that, we've kicked it off. It's underway. It's happening. It's not about to happen. It's happening. It's happening at this moment. 
It's happening at this moment. So there was a thing that happened that was yucky, and then it happened again, and then it happened a bunch of times. The thing is, yes, it did, but no, it isn't. Yes, I agree. It's actually finished, completed, defeated, done. The problem is you haven't yet fully gotten that good news. So remember it for a moment. And as you remember it, and then get right back to me again. Notice that there are all these meanings associated with it. There's some resentment, there's some anger, there's some guilt, there's some shame, and there's some fear. Did I guess right? Yes, you do. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. And all of those are emotions that are appropriate if something's going on, perhaps. Some of them aren't even appropriate then. But they're certainly not useful now because the thing isn't going on. What we want is the full realization that it isn't going on. So here's how it happens. I'm let's look back at that little girl, but it's frozen like a photograph. So there she is stuck, frozen photograph. Got it? Got it. Um, now, is that a little girl getting molested? No. That is data. There is no data, little... data about what happened. It's data about what happened. Yes. It's okay. data about what happened, but it's data about something that isn't in existence. It's like data about, um, you know, it rained a week ago. You can remember that. that, but it's not raining. And I'm not upset that it rained a week ago. Yeah, yeah, because there's no sense that it's going on. That's what we're going to get done here. Okay. That's it. What does it actually mean about you that happened from here as a grown-up? I think that what it means to me is that I was... No, what's it mean about you now as a grown-up? I'm a woman with that experience. Yeah, so maybe there's wisdom because you've experienced it and power from that wisdom that otherwise wouldn't exist. But it means nothing about you that there's any reason to be guilty or ashamed about. Does that make sense? It does. I, I think the, the thing that I would that comes to mind is uh, it, it happened, um, whatever, 35 years ago. And so it's it has had an impact, not just during those two the years. The data from the thing had the impact. Yes, I hear you. The thing did not happen every regularly over the last 35 years. It happened 35 years ago, and the data right. has had and the impact. data has had the impact because the data has been read as meaning something about you. Yes. And absolutely. why would it mean something about you? Because you learn that if anything bad happens, it's because of you. Oh, we're back to the red sand. Right. And there's no difference between how you're treated and who you are. And if anybody disapproves of you, you know, the problem with that is you're dead. So all of that fell into this thing. 
But guess what? You know that if the light changes and one second later, this guy's laying on the horn right. behind you, you're not thinking, I'm worthless. You're thinking, oh, asshole behind me. <laughs> That's it. The boundary is there now. What does it mean about you that he honked at you? It means nothing about me. Right. So there has been that happened. I can tell. I'm pretty psychic. I know there was a time you were at a light and got on that. <laughs> I, I am I am definitely tracking what you're saying. Beautiful. So we just want to get this unstuck, untrapped, clear. So I'm seeing this beautiful little girl like frozen in that photograph. See it with me? Mm -hmm. Okay, here's what we do. Look at her, look at her, and then think about what you and I are doing here, that we're actually changing people's lives. Yeah, now look at her and think about what you actually went into a store, gave them a piece of plastic, and they said you could have anything you wanted, then they gave it back to you. It's like incredible. She doesn't have an idea anything like that good is going to happen. Here you are. Think back to her and realize that here you are. There's a freaking foot-long microphone in front of you because that mic is reaching out into the world making changes. And that's going to happen for her. There's no question about it. She doesn't have to do anything to do it. Her future is guaranteed. She is absolutely going to grow up, survive, and become the beautiful, life-changing individual that you are now. She is going to absolutely have that. And you might kind of take it for granted, but let me tell you, she doesn't. She would say, this is too enormous. You mentioned the Grand Canyon earlier. I was telling you about it. You know, when you look at that, you just can't even take it in. That's right. It's like, whoa, my head can't hold this thing. Yeah. Your life is so magnificent that her head couldn't even hold it. She could just glimpse the tiniest bit of it. It's that good. We know that. Close your eyes, know that, connect to me. Here you are, we're making a difference. We're changing the world. Look back at the little girl. Look back at the little girl. You're gonna notice something happens and that is she begins to breathe because there is a future. Look back at the little girl. She breathes because there's a future. As soon as you see her breathing, it's not a photograph, it's moving forward. She's breathing, she can breathe, she can move, she can stretch, she can smile. Watch her, she's no longer trapped. She's no longer stuck. She's no longer there. You are no longer stuck. Karen, you are no longer there, that's for sure. That's never going to happen to you. You're making a difference right now so that it doesn't happen to others and people who it did happen to can heal. That's what's going on. This is never going to happen to you. It's finished, it's completed. 
think back and get it that it's done and not just repeat the words I give you. It's finished. Yeah, say it out loud. It's finished. Finished. It's completed. It's completed. It's defeated. It's defeated. Been there. Been there. Done that. Done that. Got the t-shirt. Yeah. Come on. You got to say the magic words if this is going to happen. Got the t-shirt. You're right. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And it's non-existent other than it gives you power and wisdom. It gives you credibility as you make a difference in other people's lives. And you stepped out of the crazy shame closet that the mental health industry would have put you in. And you're talking about having been sexually molested with a microphone in front of your face that's bigger than my arm. And, and people are hearing your words and healing. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. design that you mentioned earlier that had red in it, didn't it? Yeah. What's it look like now? I see. Sorry? I don't see it. So you're teaching this little boy about thermometers. And you say, see, a thermometer is an instrument and it gives a reading and it talks about the environment and the temperature. And the little boy says, well, Miss Karen, if when I wake up in the morning, it says eight degrees. And one in the afternoon, it says 49 degrees. Should I hope it got warmer? And you say, kid, you don't need to hope. It's warmer. It's different. There's a different reading. That picture, I mean, you didn't just change the, 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 the temperature on it. You blew the freaking thermometer up. Usually people say, well, I see it, but it's a little smaller or it moved to the left. You obliterated it. What's it look like? I don't see it. 
Where did it go? <laughs> you blew it up. That's where it went. So it's clear. It's finished. It's done. There's free. Check what the feeling, the sense is at this moment. I think what I still feel is just a, a deep sadness. Well, the sadness is showing up because it's finally safe enough to feel it. See, sadness can't exist when it's being experienced as happening. Think of the little boy marching home after this terrible fistfight, stiff and rigid like a tin soldier. And he finally gets home and mommy looks at him and says, what happened? Come here. She puts her arms around him. He starts crying. That's where the sadness is. The sadness washes away. The sadness is like soft mud. The sadness can't endure. The rest of it endured. That can't endure. And as you update to hear with me, watch where the sadness just dissolves to. Because think back, and it was awful. And with it being so awful, the experience was the experience of, oh my God, this is so awful. And it was threatening. And you know what? I, I ask people this question, like I'll be in front of a group of people and I'll say, hey, how many of you guys got raped? And a bunch of hands go up, believe it or not. And there's a whole bunch of hands that didn't go up, but a bunch did. And then I'll ask this question. How did you deal with it? How did I deal with it? <laughs> How did I do with getting raped? Yeah, how'd you do with it? What do you mean, how did I do with it? Well, let me show you how to find out. Take your fingers, put them on your neck. I survived. You feel the pulse? Yep. Every heartbeat means that you defeated it. Because you know what the mission is? Be alive when it's done. That is the entire mission. Don't get dead. Be alive when it's finished. And if you did that, that's, a, that's it. That's the entire job. Be alive at the end of the mission. It's finished. It's done. And to survive is victory. It's victory. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I think that it feels complicated because there's a big part of me that I feel had put it on in the past and could talk about it very matter-of-factly. 
And yet I believe that on a subconscious level, it created a fear of men and not afraid of a colleague like you, but when it comes to men who are interested or romantic motions for men that triggers this little girl looks like stranger danger. This right. Is not so safe. if somebody got bit by a snake, do you think it might cause a fear of snakes? It might. Yeah. And you don't study the marking and say, oh, yeah, this is a different snake than that snake. <laughs> you just right. Yeah. And so that did that. It did that. And here you are. So that's like a whole other thing than that thing, because there's that thing which you just beautifully went over. But now here's another thing. And the other thing is the later effect from that thing. Which is the fear the, of men as a result fear of the... That you had of guys as a result of it. Because we wouldn't be shocked if a gal got badly injured by a house cat that she would be nervous if you walked over trying to put your cat on her lap. And she'll say, no, no, a cat almost blinded me. And you say, um, not this one. <laughs> well, a cat isn't a cat. Your cat isn't that cat. This guy isn't that guy. That guy was awkward, awkward, disabled, and functioning on a, um, uh, on, on, on a, on a, you know, wounded kid level. You were how old here? I was 14 to 16. How old was he? Uh, maybe 32. Yeah. So he was functioning on a childlike level, or it wouldn't have even been interesting. Does that make sense? Would you be interested if I said to you, hey, I can set you up with a 13-year-old boy and you can seduce him? You say, oh, God, that's disgusting. I am not interested in it. Oh, he's cute, though, a little blonde boy. <laughs> oh, shut up, John. Yeah, but this guy was like, oh, yeah, I can handle that. She's not going to be demanding in a grown-up sexual way. She's not going to be too scary for me. So he was walking wounded. The reality is, here you are. So as you now meet adult-adult with people, and it's from you as an adult to this guy as an adult, and that's up there. Well, that's now. You heroically defeated that, survived, here you are, and that was about that painfully twisted, wounded 
dude. It wasn't about you. It wasn't about men. I think that last sentence was very important. Yeah. It wasn't about you. I mean, it obviously wasn't about you. Although Red Sand absolutely was about you. If you were good, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's Red Sand. But we wouldn't think that about anybody. You see somebody molesting a 12-year-old, you don't think, oh, that 12-year-old must be misbehaving. <laughs> yeah, doesn't occur. I think as an adult... Um, and especially once I had my own kids, it was really clear to be able to look back and, and realize how young I was and how it, you know, not that if I was older, it would have been my fault, but just I did walk around feeling shame and at fault. And I should have said something and I should have told somebody. Yeah, right. Stopped him and I should have and I should have and I should have. So could you imagine I'm watching a movie of a gal getting raped and I'm saying, you know, I don't think she's handling that quite well. You want me to tell you the way she should be dealing with this? You'd say, excuse me? Yeah, I like to coach people who are getting raped, you know, because I think they could do better at it. <laughs> That's bizarre. So don't you do it. Don't you be looking back at that sweet little girl and telling her she's supposed to improve her act. Well put. Got it? Well put. Yeah. If you're alive, she did fine. Let's not expect anything else from her. <laughs> so are you saying that just having this conversation? Well, you'd have to tell me how it ends up playing out for you. But I think it's different than the way you viewed it previously, is it not? It is. I mean, I've, I've done a number of different modalities, so to speak. And I think that because I'm at the point in my life, I'm not, I seem to have resistance about finding a romantic partner, which I very much would like. Uh, that what comes to mind for me is where my resistance comes from. And that's really why I wanted to um, yeah, talk That's to beautiful. You. That's beautiful. I'm so glad that that we're doing it. Because, um, I mean, here you are. It doesn't matter what happened. I mean, it really doesn't matter what happened. If we're drinking from the fountain, we don't cry that we were thirsty. What's interesting is this is what's going on and what can happen here and what can happen forward and what can be done. And um, you have the opportunity to interview some interesting prospects. And they're interviews. And you check it out and have fun in the interview process. And notice, you know, you might not like this one and not like this one, but they're the same. They're not the same person. They're different. And that was him. That was a really wounded dude. To even find that um, of any sexual interest at all, you can't be functioning on all cylinders. Yeah, no, he was a wounded individual. And I think that, um, I mean, I get that. And um, 
I did, I'm not dealing with anger, bitterness, like that kind of a thing. It's more this resistance. And I'm like, could it be that in my early 60s, this thing that happened in my teens is keeping oh, it me was. from... No question it was bothering me. You know, it was having an effect. Not it, the impression from it, the photo of it. The photo of it stuck in this red glop, and the red glop is, is starting to recede, too, as we're doing this. Because it's, it's glop. It can't see everything that continued to trouble you, my friend, was distortion and shadow. In the light, things are fine. Things are fine. And what I'm doing, even at the moment, is clearing away the shadow and replacing it with light. And light always wins. Day destroys the night. Light always wins. Flashlight pierces any level of darkness. Yep. This light is piercing and clearing, and the light is making its way, even at this moment. Like, think of a light moving through a cave, an intricate cave that goes into another cave and another passageway and another passageway and another passageway and more and more corridors. But the trouble is the light ends at the wall. It doesn't know how to change color turn the corner. But watch this. Look at the light, and then we liquefy it. So now it's liquid light. And liquid light is pouring through every facet of your being. And where there is light, there is no shadow. The light destroys every bit of the shadow. Yeah, watch it just move through every tiny little crevice. The light pours through and fills every passageway with light, clarity, fresh. Clear. That's it. Good job. Check again for the feeling. So very neutral in the moment. Very neutral. Neutral. So try saying all clear. All clear. Yeah. All clear. All clear. Yeah. All clear. That's clear. That's light. It's clear. Do you notice I have a little microphone? Yes. And you have a microphone? Yes. So this must be your microphone. No, that would be yours. Well, that might be my microphone. I mean, they're microphones. They're identical. 
They're all the same. No, men, all men are not the same. Thank you very much. It, you know, it's so interesting. It's like, I, I imagine that is, is part of this, you know, when you talk about the conscious and the subconscious, is part of what you're doing, is part of this process, like a, a rewiring or a... Uh-huh, all of that. Re-imagining or imaging. Because um, it's not just logic. There's a lot of logic mixed with a lot of other stuff because I'm looking to affect every facet of your mind. And some logic is what would make most sense. And some facets doesn't make any sense. But... Yeah. The facet that that didn't make any sense understood about light becoming liquid. Mm. A logical mind would say, no, wait a minute, is it light or is it liquid? Mm. Liquid light, light liquid, what, what are you talking about? Um, but the unconscious said, oh yeah, liquid light. I get that. Yeah, of course. So yes, we're reaching everywhere. So there was that feeling that you had way at the beginning. I said, check. I said, cause the feeling on purpose. Try to cause it now. I don't have any feeling about it. Yeah, that feeling isn't there. Because, well, here's why. Little boy is screaming, Daddy! Daddy goes in, kid says, there's a monster in the closet. Daddy says, well, let's grab the monster buster and <laughs> takes out his big flashlight. And he says, you want to bust it? And he hands it to the kid and the kid says, all right, ready, aim, fire, flashes of flight. And he squeals and says, daddy, that's my bathrobe. Monster can't live in the light. The light has gone through every crevice. You don't have to be optimistic, positive, loving, appreciative, or grateful. All you do is turn on the light and you get, this is where I am. That's way different. But light will win. Light always wins. Yeah. Well, this has been very interesting. It was lovely to have a chance to um, do this dance with you, young lady. This was quite something. Tell me how it all was for you. Um, I think in the beginning I was curious and kind of tracking with your concepts. Um, and I didn't come in overly upset. So so I can't like say, well, I feel different. But when you asked me to look and feel, and, um, it just all seems to be gone. And uh, it, if that is in fact um, my present and my future, then um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And of course it is, because we didn't 
avoid it, we went right to it. Remember what happened. Remember what are those occasions. Remember the beginning of it, the middle of it, the end of it. And here you are. And as you remember it, could that ever happen to you? Could that happen tomorrow? So just remember back to it and say these words. Got the t-shirt. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's done. Thank you. Well, what a privilege. I'm so um, thrilled that you um, met with me and that you um, valiantly moved forward addressing this in a life-changing way for so many others. Would you, before we wrap up, uh, just share where people can find you so that those who've listened and want to connect can do so? Thank you. I'd sure be happy to do that. And um, so every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern time, um, I do a free group called Solutions, and that's my contribution. People show up and, and raise their hands and ask a variety of different things. I do my best to get people unstuck and clear. Um, so that's, that's a dive into this. Uh, the uh, website to register for that and do other things is rapidresolutiontherapy.com. Um, while you're there, there are free resources to download, including a recording on uh, mind-body healing that we're getting some really uh, positive reviews about. That's how you get um, involved with us. There are all kinds of events uh, and there are other people who have trained extensively with me. Um, and those folks are available and I'm available. Um, there, um, I have two books that are available currently on Amazon. And one is called Life Changing Conversations. And that shows how a life can change in such a wonderful way after a single meeting. And the uh, second one is called Grief is Not Sacred. And that shows how people can overcome the devastating pain of grief. Again, in a, um, in a single meeting, there's a whole bunch of podcasts that are recorded that are up there. So if you um, are interested in learning more about it by just listening to uh, all kinds of different interviews with different people. Today was one of my favorite, but there's a bunch of them out there if that would be interesting as a way to learn things. If you're stuck or if there's emotional turmoil, that's what we're good at clearing. But there's something else, and that is that we offer a career path to people who would like to be 
assisting others using this process. And I think it is one of the most interesting careers one could have dealing with just what's going on with people, getting them unclogged and unstuck from, from pain and trauma. And I want there to be people out there assisting other people with issues. And I hope for a long, long time, maybe forever, we can be out there doing something to lift people's lives up and lift them up into clarity. And, and you've been amazing and beautiful and helping make that happen, both in this meeting and the last meeting we had. And such a beautiful, brave woman to move ahead and do this with me and raise the flag that there's victory. I would close with this. You might see a license plate that on it, it says former prisoner of war. And a little boy saw that and said to his dad, Daddy, what's that? And Daddy said, well, son, that means that fella was captured while fighting and put in a prison. Well, Daddy, why does he have it on his Cadillac? Because he's proud, son. Why? Well, because they didn't have any Cadillacs there. And if he's driving down the road in the Cadillac, he's free. He's on the other side of it. That's victory. It doesn't matter how he got out. It's victory. And the little boy said, Daddy, he should be proud. I'm waiting to go there where you get the license plates and see one that says, I was raped by my priest. I was raped by my teacher. I was uh, sexually assaulted here. I'd like a whole series of license plates that people put on the back of their car and drive down the highway so little boys and girls can say, hey, mommy, what's that mean? Well, honey, it means that she was raped by somebody. Well, why does she have it on the back of her Toyota? Well, honey, because she's proud. Why should she be proud? Because she won. All of us won. All of us won. Check your pulse. If there is one, you won. So it's been a pleasure, Karen. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you working with me. And for everyone listening, uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Bye-bye. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today.
Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.